The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 1. Book 5, The Third Estate, Chapter 7, Not a Revolt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 5, Chapter 7, Not a Revolt. Why dwell on what follows? Hulin's foi d'officia should have been kept but could not. The Swiss stand drawn up, disguised in white canvas smocks, the invalids without disguise, their arms all piled against the wall. The first rush of victors, in ecstasy that the death peril is past, leaps joyfully on their necks, but new victors rush, and ever new, also in ecstasy, not wholly of joy. As we said, it was a living deluge, plunging headlong, had not the Garde Francaise in their cool military way wheeled round with arms levelled, it would have plunged suicidally by the hundred or the thousand into the Bastille ditch. And so it goes plunging through court and corridor, billowing uncontrollable, firing from windows, on itself, in hot frenzy of triumph, of grief and vengeance for its slain. The poor invalides will fare ill. One Swiss, running off in his white smock, is driven back with a death thrust. Let all prisoners be marched to the town hall to be judged. Alas, already one poor invalid has his right hand slashed off him, his maimed body dragged to the Place de Grève and hanged there. This same right hand, it is said, turned back Delaunay from the powder magazine and saved Paris. Delaunay, discovered in grey frock with poppy-coloured ribbon, is for killing himself with the sword of his cane. He shall to the Hôtel de Ville, Ulan Maillard and others escorting him, Eli marching foremost with a capitulation paper on his sword's point. Through roarings and cursings, through hustlings, clutchings, and at last through strokes, your escort is hustled aside, fell down, Ulan seeks exhausted on a heap of stones. Miserable de Lornay. He shall never enter the Hôtel de Ville, only his bloody hair cue held up in a bloody hand. That shall enter for a sign. The bleeding trunk lies on the steps there. The head is off through the streets, ghastly, aloft on a pike. Rigorous de Lornay has died, crying out, O oh, friends, kill me fast. Merciful de Lorme must die, though gratitude embraces him in this fearful hour and will die for him, it avails not. Brothers, your wrath is cruel. Your place de grève is become a throat of the tiger, full of mere fierce bellowings and thirst of blood. One other officer is massacred, one other invalide is hanged on the lamp-iron. With difficulty, with generous perseverance, the Garde Francais will save the rest. Provost Flessel, stricken long since with the paleness of death, must descend from his seat to be judged at the Palais Royal, alas, to be shot dead by an unknown hand at the turning of the first street. O oh, evening sun of July, how at this hour thy beams fall slant on reapers amid peaceful woody fields, on old women spinning in cottages, on ships far out in the silent main, on Balls at the Orangerie of Versailles, where high-rouged dames of the palace are even now dancing with double-jacketed hussar officers, and also on this roaring hell-porch of a Hôtel de Ville. Babel Tower, with the confusion of tongues, were not bedlam added with the conflagration of thoughts, was no type of it. 
one forest of distracted steel bristles endless in front of an electoral committee, points itself in horrid radii against this and the other accused breast. It was the Titans warring with Olympus, and they scarcely crediting it have conquered. Prodigy of prodigies, delirious, as it could not but be. Denunciation, vengeance, blaze of triumph on a dark ground of terror, all outward, all inward things fallen into one general wreck of madness. Electoral committee had it a thousand throats of brass, it would not suffice. Abbe Lefebvre in the vaults down below is black as Vulcan, distributing that five thousand weight of powder with what perils these eight and forty hours. Last night a patriot in liquor insisted on sitting to smoke on the edge of one of the powder barrels. There smoked he, independent of the world, till the abbe purchased his pipe for three francs and pitched it far. Ailey in the Grand Hall, Electoral Committee looking on, sits with drawn sword bent in three places, with battered helm, for he was of the Queen's Regiment, cavalry, with torn regimentals, face singed and soiled, comparable, some think, to an antique warrior, judging the people, forming a list of Bastilla heroes. Oh, friends, stain not with blood the greenest laurels ever gained in this world, such is the burden of Ailey's song, could it be but listened to. Courage, Ailey, courage, ye municipal electors. A declining sun, the need of victuals and of telling news, will bring assuagement, dispersion. All earthly things must end. Along the streets of Paris circulate seven Bastille prisoners, born shoulder high, seven heads on pikes, the keys of the Bastille and much else. See also the Garde Francaise in their steadfast military way, marching home to their barracks with the Invalides and Swiss kindly enclosed in hollow square. It is one year and two months since these same men stood unparticipating with Brenos d'Auguste at the Palais de Justice when fate overtook Despremenil, and now they have participated and will participate. Not Garde Francaise henceforth, but centre grenadiers of the National Guard, men of iron discipline and humour, not without a kind of thought in them. Likewise, Ashlar stones of the Bastille continue thundering through the dusk, its paper archive shall fly white. Old secrets come to view, and long-buried despair finds voice. Read this portion of an old letter. If not for my consolation, Monseigneur would grant me for the sake of God and the most blessed Trinity that I could have news of my dear wife, were it only her name on card to show that she is alive. It were the greatest consolation I could receive. I should forever bless the greatness of Monseigneur. Poor prisoner, who namest thyself Kere Demery, and hast no other history. She is dead, that dead wife of thine, and thou art dead. "'Tis fifty years since thy breaking heart put this question, "'to be heard now, first, and long heard, in the hearts of men. "'But so does the July twilight thicken. "'So must Paris, as sick children and all distracted creatures do, "'brawl itself finally into a kind of sleep. "'Municipal electors, astonished to find their heads still uppermost, are home. "'Only Moreau de Saint-Marie, of tropical birth and heart, of coolest judgment, he with two others shall sit permanent at the town hall. Paris sleeps, gleams up with the illuminated city. 
Patrols go clashing without common watchword. There go rumours. Alarms of war to the extent of 15,000 men marching through the suburb Saint-Antoine, who never got it marched through. Of the day's distraction judged by this of the night, Moreau de Saint-Marie, before rising from his seat, gave upwards of 3,000 orders. What a head, comparable to Friar Bacon's brass head. Within it lies all Paris. Prompt must the answer be, right or wrong. In Paris is no other authority extant. Seriously, a most cool, clear head, for which also thou, O brave Saint-Marie, in many capacities, from august senator to merchant's clerk, book-dealer, vice-king, in many places, from Virginia to Sardinia, shalt ever as a brave man find employment. Bessonville has decamped under cloud of dusk amid a great affluence of people who did not harm him. He marches with faint growing tread down the left bank of the Seine all night towards infinite space. Resummoned shall Bessonville himself be for trial, for difficult acquittal. His king's troops, his royal allemand, are gone hence forever. The Versailles ball and lemonade is done. The orangery is silent except for night birds. Over in the Salle des Menus, Vice-President Lafayette, with unsnuffed lights, with some hundred of members stretched on tables round him, sits erect, outwatching the bear. This day a second solemn deputation went to His Majesty, a second and then a third, with no effect. What will the end of these things be? In the court, all is mystery, not without whisperings of terror, though ye dream of lemonade and epaulettes, ye foolish women. His Majesty, kept in happy ignorance, perhaps dreams of double barrels and the woods of Meudon. Late at night, the Duc de Liancourt, having official right of entrance, gains access to the royal apartments, unfolds with earnest clearness in his constitutional way the Job's news. Mais, said poor Louis, c'est une revolt. Why, that is a revolt. Sire, answered Liancourt, it is not a revolt, it is a revolution. End of Book 5, Chapter 7